Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about some of the popular misconceptions, myths, seller financing objections, what people think that actually isn't true. And I'm going to help you do this because I want you guys to start thinking in the context of getting properties under contract and getting terms. Now, if you're a wholesaler, a lot of you are thinking, well, I'm a wholesaler. I don't need to listen to this. Let me tell you something. If you were a wholesaler that was able to negotiate terms on your properties, boys and girls, you will have buyers literally standing in line. So why not learn this skill? Why not get used to it? And a lot of you may think, well, if I ask for terms, I might piss the seller off and I may not get the deal done. And then I'll have to start over from scratch and all the other things that you put into your head that keep you from making more money. And I am living proof that if you focus on learning how to get properties under contract with terms, you will make a ridiculous fortune when you're wholesaling these properties. And you're going to provide a ton of value to both the seller and the buyer. And what better outcome could there be if you've got a true win-win-win? You make a killing. The buyer is positioned to buy a property they wouldn't be able to otherwise buy. And that makes them able to make more money because when it's easy to buy, now they get more money for rehab or if they're a landlord, more money to fix it up for rent ready. And at the end of the day, everybody wins. The seller can also get a decent, a lot more money for his property. Maybe he can get, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 more for his property. Who knows? Bottom line is when you do the math, the math is going to tell you exactly how you can blow the seller away. I've used this guys when I've negotiated with a seller and they say they want a hundred thousand and I'm at 70,000. Well, I can get them their hundred thousand if they consider it to take terms instead. That's something I learned from Larry Harbolt. Larry Harbolt talks about, don't tell me what you won't do. Tell me what you will do. Right. He talks about, you can, I can get your price, but I can't necessarily, you know, you can either have your price or your terms, but not both. Okay. You can't get your price and your terms. You got to give. That means both parties have to give. And that's how business is done. That's how deals get done. So the first thing I hear, and I want to, I want you guys to push back on this stuff. When you guys hear this out in the, in the field, out in the marketplace, I want you to push back on this. Okay. There's lots of misconceptions out there. Everybody wants to rage against the machine these days anyway. So I'm here to tell you when somebody tells you these things, you're just going to ignore what they say and push on anyway, because that's how deals get done. It's the difference. It's the people that have the balls to actually get a deal done and to add value to the marketplace. Those are the people that make money. That's a fact. And that starts out with seller financing is illegal. The minute you hear this, please understand that you are dealing with somebody who is lacking in real estate experience. So in that case, don't get mad. It just means that they don't know what the hell they're doing. So and if anything, pity them, feel sorry for them. If you pity them, I think you're going to come across a little more empathetic than if you just get mad. I used to get mad when I'm thinking, my God, you must be a complete buffoon. I can't believe you. you're going to sit there and try to convince me that seller financing is illegal. But understand that in a lot of cases, they actually believe their own bullshit. Either somebody told them that or they've concocted this in their head because, well, I wouldn't take seller financing terms. Why would anybody else? That's what you hear a lot of times, okay? A lot of realtors have come to use this kind of as their go-to excuse to avoid having to feel uncomfortable because they don't know anything about the topic or how to put it in play. They simply lack the skills to know how to negotiate a seller financing transaction. They probably don't know how to use a 10B2 mortgage calculator or an amortization chart. They simply lack these skills. And bonus content for you guys here, if you don't know how to use a 10B2 calculator, you can go to my YouTube channel and type in mortgage payment in Google or in YouTube, and it'll bring up to a little video I made. It's a couple minutes long it shows you exactly how to figure out a mortgage payment it teaches you everything you need to know about calculating a mortgage payment it is so ridiculously simple i can't begin to tell you 
Here's a little side note for you. This one blows me away. I cannot begin to tell you that how many mortgage brokers, mortgage brokers do not know how to amortize a loan. They cannot calculate a mortgage payment unless they're in their fancy underwriting software. They are simply unable to use a, a Hewlett Packard 10B2 simple financial calculator. They don't have any training in that, none whatsoever. They're mortgage brokers and they can't figure out a mortgage payment. I can tell you that most of the mortgage brokers that I've dealt with over the years, most of them, not the ones I use regularly, but most of the ones I've dealt with when I haven't recommended the buyer, I wasn't working with the buyer, did not know how to calculate a mortgage payment. That blows my mind. Unless the, the information is provided to them, they're clueless. If you can't figure out a mortgage payment, well, I guess I know why you think seller financing is illegal. In most cases, when the seller and the buyer agree on something, in most cases, as long as it doesn't involve defrauding somebody or a third party or something like that, it's hard to say that it's illegal. I don't think that's the right choice of words. Now, I'm no attorney, but you got to kind of apply logic here, right? This is basic, simple logic. If I agree to buy your house and you agree to sell it to me, that transaction isn't illegal unless the government puts out a law, a specific law that says Tyler cannot buy a house from John. Okay. In that case, or bald headed guys can't buy houses from guys with hair then I guess maybe that would make it illegal. Here's an example. Now, people have said, well, that was only done during the 80s when interest rates were high. I hear that one a lot. And again, this comes from realtors. Quite often, it's usually a realtor that screws this up. So how do you avoid this this problem in the first place? Don't buy a property from a realtor. Don't deal with listed properties. Avoid listed properties. I know you're going to take that with a grain of salt because listed properties are right there in your little cell phone. Right there, when you type in, I need to buy, I want a deal in Tampa Bay, and you go to, and it pops up Zillow, and you can't look past Zillow because, oh my goodness, sending postcards or better yet, sending up a setting up a landing page that's too hard that costs too much money so instead i'm gonna go to zillow and be puzzled that i can't get a deal there's no deals out here tyler there's no deals whatsoever and i look real hard and there's no deals did you do direct mail yes i sent out four postcards and nobody responded okay guys you're gonna have to work a little harder than that right understand this in the 80s most of the deals that were done in the 80s were done with seller financing. That's a fact. Because in the 80s, interest rates went up. It was high. At one point, I think they got the highest they got was 18 or 19%. If you could imagine that. 18 or 19% was the going rate. It was market rate. That's crazy. So what happened? Well, the market had to respond. It had to shift. It had to change how they do things in order to survive. So the way we they did things back then was they had to negotiate seller financing terms. I remember as a kid, my mom was a real estate broker, still is actually, and she'll tell you that was how it was done back then. They also didn't do many wire transfers. People brought hard, cold cash to closings. I remember being a kid carrying in suitcases of cash into my mom's real estate closings. It's kind of mind-blowing looking back on it now. Here's a little fun fact that might blow you away. Elvis Presley, yeah, you know, the king of rock and roll, he actually bought Graceland on terms. That's correct. You're hearing me properly. He he was 22 years old. Okay, It was in the 1950s or whatever it was, maybe 1960s. I don't know exactly, but bottom line is if you Google search it, what you'll find is that he paid $102,500 for Graceland. He traded a house, his parents' house, specifically. He traded a house, their house, in for a down payment. So look, think talk about creative acquisition, right? He had something he didn't want that he that they didn't want, obviously, and traded it in for Graceland. So he must have approached the sellers. He negotiated a deal or somebody in his team negotiated a deal where they traded this house, 1034 Audubon Drive. Look it up. They traded it in for a value of $55,000 towards the purchase of Graceland. And the seller, and they, he also put $10,000 cash down, which back then was a lot of money, granted, but he put $10,000 cash down and they held a mortgage on the rest. So basically what the mortgage worked out is the seller held a first position mortgage in the amount of 37500 That was a 25-year term, monthly installments, and 6% interest. Okay, Real simple. So if it can be done in the 1950s by a rock star, a 
22-year-old guy, why can't you do it? I know a lot of folks don't want to ask for terms because they believe that that, that people will think they don't have any money or they're broke or whatever, and maybe they're embarrassed they don't have the money. Well, guys, if it's good enough for Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, then why can't you ask for terms? Why can't you get the mindset that you just simply don't pay cash for real estate? Okay, if you if you absolutely convince yourself that you simply don't pay cash for real estate because that would be ludicrous. Mr. Seller, I would never consider paying cash for real estate. I imagine you wouldn't either, would you? Now, they're going to have a hard time saying, no, I'll pay cash for real estate. They won't say that. They're going to agree with you. Now you, you get their head nodding. That's all part of the negotiation process, guys. Okay. It's all part of the negotiation process. Another big myth I hear besides seller financing is illegal is the seller needs all cash. Either the seller tells you this, I need all cash or the realtor or the wholesaler or whoever they're dealing with, whoever the middleman is stuck in the middle, keeping you from getting your job done. They tell you, well, they need all cash. Understand this. The seller does not need the cash. They need what the cash will do for them. I learned that from Larry Harbolt and the way he explains it makes complete sense. You don't, nobody cares about a vault full of cash. What they care about really when you break it down to the core is what will that cash do for them? If I gave you $100,000 in cash, what would you do with it? You'd go out and buy a big screen, a jet ski and a Harley probably, right? That's what people do when they have cash. You really got to figure out what does the seller want more than the cash? Now think about that for a second. What does the seller want more than cash? Because when you go to the grocery store tomorrow and you swipe your debit card, you're essentially giving up cash, right? Currency, let's say. It's not money, it's currency. But you're obviously willing to take a deduction from your checking account in exchange for a six pack of beer, some eggs and bacon and, and a package of hamburgers. So you obviously realize that you need food more than you need that money in your bank account. Therefore, every time you swipe your debit card, you're exchanging the cash in your bank account for something you want. You go on Amazon and you buy a widget and a gadget and a this and a that and a doodad. You obviously value those doodads more than you value the cash that's sitting in your bank account. Nothing wrong with that. That's just how the world works. People value intrinsic items, goods and services more than they do cash. Cash is just a vehicle to get you where you're going. Let me ask you this. Have you ever considered trading something instead of using cash? What if you had, I don't know, let's say you had a Harley and Harley's a couple of years old and let's say, I don't know, Harley's worth, I don't know anything about Harley's, but let's say it's worth 20 grand. And Maybe you decide that riding a Harley is probably not a good idea because you're old and fat and you don't want to fall down and all these other good things. So you want to get rid of the Harley. Well, every joker that shows up to buy your $20,000 Harley offers you $15,000. You're thinking, well, that sucks. I don't want to sell it for $15,000. I want to sell it for twenty. dollars So maybe you go look at a rental property and you negotiate seller financing terms. And then you happen to notice that old boy's got his Harley Davidson gear in the garage. You see the old Harley Davidson symbol, or maybe he's got a Harley sitting in the driveway, whatever it may be. And you tell him, hey, by the way, I got a such and such flathead, panhead, whatever the hell they are at home. Would you take that as a down payment? Tell you what, give me 20 grand credit for a down payment. Seller says yes, because the seller values the Harley. He's a Harley fan. He values the Harley more than he values $20,000 cash. Here's a great example. I'm a gun enthusiast. And what I've noticed is that people are willing to spend a fortune right now for guns and ammo because everybody's panicked. We're going to have a civil war and all these other things going on. So people are willing to trade the cash in their accounts, a lot of cash in their accounts, in exchange for bullets and guns. I've had guns for years and years and years and years and years that I'm considered selling. I'm considering selling them right now because I can literally sell them and triple my money. Well, why not? Why wouldn't I? I don't necessarily need the money, but I don't necessarily need that many guns either. I mean, I could start, I could probably pretty much arm my own small country. Not necessary, right? I'd rather thin out, travel lighter, right? I can trade those guns for something I want more than the guns. And that may be, I don't know, maybe I want a boat because I'm down in the keys. So I gather up a couple guns out of the safe and I trade them for a boat. Bottom line, guys, is that it's sellers don't need cash. Cash is one of the things that people have the use to get what they need. So think about the things that you can trade, things around you that you have. And when a seller says they want all cash, I flat out ask him, do you really want all cash or do you, do you want what the cash will do for you?
What you'll find, and here's a good example, and Larry uses this in his training, Larry Harville does. He talks about a guy wanting an RV because he wants to take his, his wife around the country traveling. Well, he wants $50,000 cash down. Problem is you don't have 50000 cash down, but heck, you're a good negotiator. So you find an RV that fits his needs. You negotiate a great deal in the RV and you talk to the seller of the RV because he's having a hard time selling it into taking payments. So you hand the RV over to the seller. The seller gives you $50,000 credit, which means you don't have to give him $50,000 cash. But instead, you gave the owner of the RV 20 grand down and you're willing to make payments on the di- on the rest. Now, a lot of you are rolling your eyes going, that'll never happen. Well, I hate to tell you, you can't predict what somebody considers valuable or not valuable. So it's irresponsible to assume that they're just going to say no. Because if a guy wants an RV and the other guy wants rid of the RV, amazing things can happen. Why do people sell their houses for pennies on the dollar to wholesalers? Because they're motivated. That's why. So you can't sit there and, and say these things never happen. You have to find people that are motivated. You have to find an RV owner who's motivated to get rid of the RV. You don't want to go to an RV dealer and pull this because they're going to laugh at you unless the RV market is down right now and they can't seem to get any units done, but they're only willing to go so low. But a guy that owns his RV free and clear and who needs to get the thing out of his driveway before his wife kills him, he's going to have a whole different outlook on this, okay? Whole different outlook on this. So stop thinking that everybody needs cash. And when the realtor says the seller won't consider seller financing, they're lying. I'm willing to tell you nine times out of 10, the seller, the realtor is full of poo-poo because they guarantee you they didn't have the guts to ask the question. And that's because they never received any training on how to structure a seller finance deal. Even though it's not rocket science, you can work a 10B2 calculator, financial calculator. It's not rocket science. Hey, if any realtors are listening to this and you don't know anything about seller financing, how about you go to my YouTube channel and you Google seller financing? There are some episodes I've done on it. There's episodes that Larry Harbolt and I have done together. For that matter, go listen to Larry Harbolt's podcast. That's all Larry teaches is seller financing and land trust. Those are his two topics. He's a master at both of them. You can go type in Larry Harbolt in any podcast player and it will come up and my episodes with him will come up. Take a listen. Okay, take a listen. Understand that realtors are afraid of things they don't understand. So they knee jerk and automatically say that's illegal. You can't do that. The seller said no. And I guarantee you, they never asked the seller to begin with. Remember this. People fear what they don't understand. And a lot of people don't understand seller financing. So you can expect knee-jerk reactions that wind up being some form of a rejection. But when you take the time to have a conversation with the people and understand really what are they selling for? What are they really going to do with the net proceeds? The net proceeds after the mortgage is paid off, what are they going to do for the rest? There's all kinds of ways you could kick this can down the road to make it happen. But that starts with generating leads, getting in front of people, having good conversations, discovering the pain point a seller has, and then focusing on solving that seller's pain. If you focus on solving the seller's pain, you can rest assured you are far more likely to get a yes on your offer than otherwise. And don't ever assume what the other party's thinking. Make sure you ask them. Catch up with you guys next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.